All right, I definitely got to use my glasses tonight. This is an old one from getting close to 30 years ago, and the pencil markings <laughs> are fading on this one. All right, Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Great, great chapter. We just don't have time to talk about all of it, so we'll look at just a few verses. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing. Ah, the first two words of the text give us the importance. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. I want to preach tonight the most important thing. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you reveal to us from your scripture the most important thing. And I pray we keep the one thing, the main thing in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, now this is the Psalm of David. Of course, he's back under the context of the Old Testament Jewish law. But still, he has the main thing as the one thing, the important thing in his life, and it's the most important thing. We are too distracted in our day. We're trying to do too many things. And if there is one thing that will simplify and help your life above all other things is to pick one thing and make it the most important thing in your life. I love that. I love the fact that Solomon thought wisdom was it. He said wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. You know, when you can focus on one thing, you can do a whole lot better than I have most of my life. But the problem is the phone is ringing and the emails come in and the chats are coming in and the texts are coming in and a worry comes in and a, somebody walks in wanting something and needing something and, <laughs> and you can almost never concentrate on one thing. I've got a self-help book over there called The One Thing. Boy, are you blessed if you can do one thing and make that the main thing in your life. What a blessed thing that is. Be sure and always keep one thing over top of all others. David's greatest desire here is to dwell with the Lord. He says to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He loves being in his presence and looking on his face and he loves hearing his wisdom and learning from him. And that's what you can get when you get in the presence of God and you will not get it anywhere else. This is the one with whom the Lord fellowships. This is the one the Lord shows up for when he seeks him early. This is the one who seeks for him with all of his heart. This is the one who defies the press by climbing a tree to go see him or who at least touches the hem of his garment when he seems too busy to stop and talk to him. And lo and behold, Jesus stopped that whole procession with somebody dying that he was going to save and crowds everywhere and said, who touched me? You know what got his attention? Somebody said, the one thing most important to me is getting to Jesus. And if all I can get is the hem of his garment, 
that's what I'm going to do. And Jesus stopped everything he was doing to find that person. You want to get a hold of Jesus? You make him the one thing, and he'll stop everything he's got going. And believe me, he's got quite a bit. And turn and look at you. How long since the Lord Jesus turned around and gave you that much attention? Like when he said, Zacchaeus, come down. For today, I must abide by it. Crowds ever were. And he stopped and talked to that. You know why? Because Zacchaeus was that interested in him. You know why Jesus had not stopped and turned around and give you that much attention? Because you had not given him that much attention. Draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you, he said. <laughs> Is that not what he said? Throughout history, his greatest servants have forsaken all and followed him. But many have been discouraged from following him by various distractions. Now I want to ask you this. What is the distraction that is keeping you from climbing a tree or reaching for the hem of his garment or saying the one thing in my life I need more than anything else is some time with Jesus? You say, my kids come first. Okay, then put Jesus first. That's the best thing you could ever do for your kids. <laughs> you say, my marriage comes first. All right, then put Jesus first. That's the best thing you could ever do for your marriage. Say, i got to pay my bills. i got responsibilities. Okay, then put Jesus first. He can pay more bills than you or all your kinfolk and the richest man in town ever thought about paying. There's not an answer against putting Jesus first. He satisfies every other thing going in your life. Yeah. Say, my health is most important. He's the great physician. You can't come up with something that wouldn't be best for it for you to put Jesus ahead of even it. Now let's look at the distractions that come up. I can't think of all of them, of course, but we'll look at three of the main ones that uh, probably have categories in your life. All right, one, uh, one that keeps people from Jesus is sorrowing instead of just selling out. All right, look over at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Hey, he thought Jesus was important. He came running to him and he humbled himself before him when he got there and knew Jesus had the answer and asked him for the answer. This man has a lot going for him. First, verse 18, and Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, Oh, there it is. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You know what kept this man from following Jesus? Jesus said, one thing you like, you won't give up your riches. Now that's not it for everybody. In fact, I'm going to give you a couple more, and that's not a problem. But for this guy, that's what it was. Now, I don't know what it is that you want so bad that it's coming before Jesus, but for a lot of people, it's riches. For a lot of people, that's exactly what it is. And Jesus said, all right, there's one thing you're lacking, 
And you know what he did? He went away sorrowful. Isn't that a shame? This guy held on to that which was bringing him sorrow. Timothy said, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now why in the world would you keep going after something that makes you sad, sorry, discouraged, and depressed? I'll tell you why. Bad decisions. <laughs> Poor decisions. Uh, stupidity. <laughs> if something hurts you and is bad for you and makes you miserable, stop it. <laughs> Don't keep doing it. I, there, are, there have been people who have been slaves to just constantly getting more and getting more and getting more and saving more and saving more and saving more. And at one point, there are exceptions, but they have, there have been some that said, wait a minute, I'm miserable living like this. I'm going to stop. <laughs> if ever once you see that earning more and saving more and, and building up more and needing to build bigger barns to keep even more and more and more, if it ever that occurs to you, how miserable that's making you, then stop it immediately. <laughs> Don't keep doing that. I'm not talking about being responsible. I'm not talking about paying your bills. Obviously, those are good things. I'm talking about when it's just never enough. <laughs> I'm talking about when it's blocking you from the Lord Jesus. Here was a man that had a chance to follow Jesus. He was sincere. It appears that Jesus sees that he's at least partially sincere and gives him an honest answer to his question. He said, all right, one thing you're lacking. Sell all you have and come follow me. Oh, well, I can't do that. And he left him sorrow. He could have followed Jesus joyfully, but instead he kept his money and stayed miserable. Mm -hmm. Don't ever keep your money and stay miserable. <laughs> If your money's making you miserable, get rid of it immediately, tonight. <laughs> Don't, there's no reason to be miserable a whole, not one day. Pharaoh had those frogs keep on coming. <laughs> and he said, all right, when do you want us to get rid of these frogs? And he said, well, tomorrow. <laughs> Hugh Pyle wrote a famous sermon on that called One More Night with the Frogs. <laughs> hey, stupid. If you've got a guy sitting right there that can get rid of the frogs that are making you so miserable, get rid of them right now. <laughs> Don't spend another night not able to sleep with slimy frogs jumping on you. <laughs> you dummy. But how many Americans are enslaved to one more dollar? <laughs> and not even, I mean, they can't enjoy a meal. You give them a good meal, they're sitting there, oh man, how much did this cost? <laughs> Now, don't get me wrong, I know there are plenty of people that go the other way and they spin like fools. But there can be a ditch on both sides of the road. You can, you know, be pretty smart with money and still enjoy a meal every now and then. <laughs> you don't need to sit there and dread every dime you ever spend. Apparently, this guy was one of those. Because as soon as the Lord said, sell your stuff, he left sorrow. Very next chapter in this account in Luke. There's another rich man, and he said, half of my goods I give to the poor, and anybody I've stole from, I'll restore it fourfold, and he was joyful. Yes. This one Good won't boy. give anything up, and he's miserable. One in Luke 18 and one in Luke 19, so you can't miss the contrast and comparison of the two. When it comes to Jesus, give anything up he asks for. He can make it last. You say, well, I can't even pay my taxes in. That's okay. He'll grab it out of a fish's mouth. <laughs> say, I can't even feed the people over here. That's okay. He can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000. You need to feed more than 5,000? I bet not. 
He can handle whatever it is you're worried about that's making you not come to Jesus. You know what will keep you from following the one thing? Sorrowing instead of selling out. Now, I don't want you to sell out for something stupid, but I do want you to sell out for Jesus. He's worth giving. Well, I've told the story before about Jeff Brigham and an engineer at Boeing, and now he's a missionary to Japan. You know what he did? He sold out a promising career. And you know what he is? Happy that he's serving God. We read his letters here every month. We support him. If it's for Jesus, sell. Don't fall into the deceitfulness of riches. You ever read the, the story of Howard Hughes? I mean, he was a jet setter before they had jet setters. Mm -hmm. He was a multi-millionaire, had whatever woman he wanted, had whatever business he wanted, had any luxury that he wanted, and he went slap crazy. That's right. I mean, went nuts. Mm -hmm. Got scared of germs and wouldn't let anybody in the room with him and just lost his mind. Man. Went crazy. You know what Dr. Ruckman said? Dr. Ruckman said the people he knew that actually went completely insane. We're constantly just thinking about me and what do I want? Am I comfortable? Am I happy? Are they nice to me? Did they see me? Did they pat my back? Did they shake my hand? Did they laugh at my joke? Did they smile at me? Did they think I'm pretty? Did they think I... That will run you slap crazy. I don't care how much money you got or how good looking you are or how popular you are or whatever. That'll make you nuts. Quit thinking about yourself and your money and your whatever and sell out to Jesus. Yes. Sorrowing instead of selling uh, will absolutely run you crazy and will keep you from that which is more important. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Jesus said, Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And this is what he interpreted that to mean. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. You want to make the word unfruitful? The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, Choking the word that's in your heart because you're too busy thinking about the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. And then another passage says, the cares of this world. You sit and worry about that, you won't do a thing for the Lord. You need to break free from this world. So instead of going around sorrowing, you need to sell out and be happy for Jesus. I'm not encouraging anybody to you know, sell out your retirement or anything that you don't think the Lord's leading you to do. But the minute something has come between you and Jesus, you, you better get rid of that real quick. He, he's got a better retirement than anything the best company in, in the world's ever dreamed of. Oh, yeah. Cares of this world, lusts of other, other things. And we can talk about a lot of them. Sorrowing from earthly treasure. But there's something else in this passage before we move on. He sorrowed from Christ's absence. This man appears to be happy. To see Jesus. He appears to realize how much he needs Jesus. He ran to him. He kneeled to him. He called him Good Master, capital G and capital M on Good Master. He knew Jesus had the answer to as important of a question as eternal life. But what Jesus asked for was just too much. And 
the rest thought partially because the rich had already had a hold of him, but partially because he left the presence of Jesus. You know why there were some miserable people in Crossville, Tennessee tonight? Because they were in the presence of Jesus and they left it. Mm -hmm. You want to be miserable tonight? Put your Bible on the shelf, turn the TV on, fill your mind with the world, worry about yourself, follow the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you'll get sorrowful real quick. Mm -hmm. It will not take long to make that transition. When you leave the presence of Jesus Christ, you've left the presence of joy. Alright, that's enough on sorrowing instead of selling, or I'll be there all night. Alright, the next one, we're in the book of Mark, look at the very next book, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Alright, where do I want to start here? Luke chapter 10, paragraph mark is a good place there, verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Isn't that a blessing? She received Jesus. How, what a blessing if you could literally, physically, actually receive Jesus Christ into your house. Martha did that. What an unbelievable thing. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was comforted about much service and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. There's her distraction. But, oh, there it is again. One thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let me tell you another thing that will distract you from making Jesus Christ the main thing. Serving instead of sitting. Now, I'm all for hardworking people, especially hardworking women. Good night. <laughs> they do a great job. Most of the, when you pick up, when you find a real virtuous woman and a real hardworking woman, she can work, she'll outwork most women in any two or three men. I mean, it's a tremendous thing. I'm all for it. But when the presence of Jesus Christ comes up, the work needs to go on the back burner, and you need to sit at his feet and hear his word. There are too many people not spending time in the word of God, and they're just too busy. Not praying, because they're just too distracted. Not in church, because there's just always something else to do instead. You need to sit at Jesus' feet more than any other thing you've got going. Now don't misunderstand. I have been in situations where I had to work a job and I had to miss a church service. Those things happen. I totally understand. Emergencies come up. No problem. No harm. No foul, as they say. No sin. But if you begin to see a pattern of constantly failing to read your Bible because you had to rush off to work, failing to pray because you had to rush off to the next thing, failing to be in church because you had to work yet again, when it becomes a pattern, mm, something's getting more important than sitting at Jesus' feet. Nothing is more important than to get sitting at Jesus' feet. There's no amount of money they can pay you that's more important than sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, again, once in a while, emergencies we get. I'm talking about a pattern. I'm talking about that is your way your life goes consistently at all. Bad thing. Bad thing. 
uh, Martha's problem was serving instead of sitting. But you can do that in church. You can get so busy serving at church that you kind of think your spiritual life is taken care of. Not without Bible reading and prayer, it's not. Bible reading is where he talks to you. Prayer is where you talk to him. There is nothing going on at Victory Baptist Church more important than you spending time with him right there in those two things. We have never had one thing going on here that should have distracted you from personal time with Jesus Christ. That comes ahead of any any uh, ministry we got going here. Serving. Now, when you start talking about serving and humans, you're going to talk about this, and that's serving for wrong motives. Sometimes you serve, and you're just serving, bless your heart, and it's not a good motive. There are people in church that are not there for the right reasons, and it might be a Bible-believing Baptist church. you got to look out for them. Jude 4 says, There are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God, that's a good thing, that's something we talk about in church, into lasciviousness. That's sitting thinking about sex all the time. Not necessarily fornication and actually doing it, but thinking about it all the time. That's what lasciviousness is. It's stuff pertaining to it. Movies dealing with it. Songs dealing with it, jokes dealing with it, clothes that obviously lead to it, talking with friends about it, filling your. There are plenty of people that are virgins that have filled their mind with that Pornography, uh, erotica, romance novels, God knows what. It said that these men that snuck in church, Jude 4 and Jude 11, you know what it says? Turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Woe unto them, he says in verse 11, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of course. They got in there for wrong motives, didn't they? Here's another one. This, this one always broke my heart. He was a hero of mine when I was a kid in Sunday school. And that's Jehu. And he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Howbeit, from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them, to wit, the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. And the Lord said unto Jehu, Because thou hast done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes, and hast done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in mine heart, thy children of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. The Lord said, I'm going to bless you. Four generations are going to sit on the throne of Israel because of the good work you did. And yet, verse 31 says, But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, which made Israel sin. What? What? God gave you that power and that success and blessing for four generations, and you said, forget it, I'm going to go ahead and do what I want. But there are plenty of Bible-believing Baptists do about the same thing. The Lord saved you. The Lord turned your life around, blessed your family, blessed you with health, blessed you with finances, blessed your kids. As far as we can see from this point, you're going to have blessing for generations to come, and you still just go ahead and do what you want. That sends a chill down my spine. You know what the Lord said to David when he sinned? He said, 
I did this and this and this for you. And if that had been too little, I would have done this and this and this. I wonder what we're missing. Because if that had been too little, God still got more planned for us. Amen. And yet we seem like this. But we're human like him, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Are we not prone, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love? Here's my heart, oh, take it and seal it, seal it for thy course. He might bless you for four generations. Listen, man, if you get blessed for four generations, do you know what a blessing that is? Do you know how few people have their legacy go four generations? Man, what's the problem? Serving for wrong motives, self-centeredness. Here's another thing about serving in this business. Serving right at the time that you're supposed to be busy. If in the first point he didn't realize it was himself, not his riches or standing that God wanted, Martha here doesn't realize it's not her work, but her attention that Jesus wants. When you really love somebody, you appreciate their work, but you know what you really want? You really want to be in their face. You want to look in their face. As soon as you see their face, they're beautiful. When thou said unto me, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. That's who you love, the people you want to get in their face. We can email them, we can text them, we can even FaceTime them now, and that, believe me, that's pretty good. But nothing like being in your presence. Amen. How many of you at Christmas time or different times you have family gatherings only want to text them or call them or FaceTime? Don't you want to be in their presence where you can see their face, kiss their face, hug their neck, your loved one? Don't you want to be right there with them? That's the way you all feel about Jesus. Jesus didn't want Martha's serving. He wanted her attention. Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. That's what those disciples said when Jesus came and ate with them, and their hearts burned with them. All right, so sorrowing instead of selling. Look at that. I think I'm going to make it. Serving instead of sitting. One more. Recollecting instead of running. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. This is more directly to us in the church age, I suppose. Coming from the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I guess I'll start at verse 13. One of the great chapters to us. In the church age, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this, here it is, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God and Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. What mind? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you, recollecting instead of running. Uh, you know what uh, the Lord says? He said, any man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom. You know what we need to do? We need to stop looking behind us and look in front of us. That great book that I read not long ago, <clears throat> Living Life in Crescendo, said your most important work is always in front of you. The minute you look back and say, my glory days was back there, you've lost it. God has a work for you to do right now if he wants you to in your service. 
you be paying attention to the work he's got for you to do right now and in the near future. You know what Paul said? What if Paul had looked back at his past? He'd been a stinking terrorist mm -hmm. against the very Christians that he was trying to champion right now. You know what will distract you from Jesus? Looking back, oh, what I've lost. Oh, I'm such a country music. <laughs> the old flesh in me likes country music. Let me tell you something. That will wreck your spiritual life as quick as anything. Failure and loss and heartbreak and sadness and disappointment. <laughs> And missed opportunities and sit and dwell on that, that'll that'll run you crazy like selfishness will. Yes, Remembering past failures will wreck you. I, I had a friend and still consider him a great friend. He had a hard time getting right with God in his life. And one reason was he kept looking back at when he used to drink and fornicate and do drugs and stuff. Finally, one day he got past that and he moved on and thank God for it. But boy, as long as he kept concentrating on that, he was sure wrecked. Verse 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Remembering past failures, that'll wreck you. What about John Mark? What if he had remembered the time he had failed so bad and Paul got so mad at him and said, oh, I don't even want to take him with us no <laughs> But you know what he did? He kept staying faithful. And at the end of Paul's life, he said, Bring Mark, you probably for the ministry. That's a good point. Every one of us is going to fail. Every one of us is going to wipe out. I've illustrated to you before coming down the stairs in the dormitories at Bob Jones, those stairs were real slick. And every time it would rain, you'd hear boom, <laughs> one of the boys had slipped and fallen down it, and it happened to me a few times myself. And when you slipped on those things in a big hurry late for class, I mean, you just had no control over your body whatsoever. You just started falling and just bounced. <laughs> And let me tell you something, everyone in our Christian life has just wiped out. In fact, that was the word we used. They'd say, man, he wiped out. And every one of us in our Christian life has wiped out. Oh, Lord. Now, you can sit there and just feel bad and sorry about how you wiped out, or you can do what Paul did. And none of you did as bad as him. And you can forget those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. If you don't learn to do that, you're not following the one thing. Paul said, this is one thing I do. But let me tell you another one. Sometimes remembering past success will get you off track. And you'll think you've already done your contribution. Your contribution is over. You're still down here on this earth breathing. You better stay active right now. Find you a place to witness, find you a job to do, find you somebody to support, find you a place to teach or preach if that's what you're called to do. Whatever. Find you. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It doesn't say turn the light on. Ten minutes later, turn it off and say, boy, that one time, boy, I took about ten minutes and really shined my light good. No, you do it your whole life. Amen. You sit there and remember past successes and don't ever do anything for God currently, you'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. Take the one thing and we'll be missing. Alright, what have we seen this evening? We've seen that Christians ought to sell out those things which hinder fellowship with Jesus. And they have to sit and learn and pay attention to Jesus, even though this requires some rest from service. And they must patiently continue regardless of past success or failure. 
You know what Paul realized? He realized I need to take up my cross daily and follow Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord told us. Note that all three hindrances are essentially self-centeredness. Attention paid to self rather than God. The first, because of wealth and position. I don't want to give that up. The second, because of her busy serving. Don't you see what all I'm doing? Can't you see how busy I am? Sorry, that doesn't impress me when I got Jesus here. Third, because of remembering the past instead of God's present punishment. Let us lay these thoughts aside and remember the most important thing in your life is your personal relationship to Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 says this, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. I don't know what has you distracted when you do get away from the Lord, but I know this. You get back to having the presence of God the Father and God the Son, and you already have the God the Holy Spirit who dwells in your body if you're saved. You living right with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit will take care of whatever problem you think you're facing. By holding on to your will or keeping on serving or looking back at the past, Whatever problem you think that's helping, God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit can take up care of it and then some if you'll just stay in their presence and quit letting anything distract you from it. The most important thing is your personal relationship with God. Yes. When anything else comes in between that, stop the distraction. Sell everything out for Jesus. That will fix a lot of distractions. God help me to take my own tonight. Word of God Because there are a lot of distractions in our day. Way too many geeks and rings and chirps and all the rest of them. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you'll take these things, God, and I pray you help them to sink down into our ears and minds and hearts.